fantastic job, as always, and you doing a great job singing. Thank you, Miss Tina, for agreeing with that. <laughs> uh, Brother Z and Miss Rachel have been away for a few days, just enjoying some time, and we are thankful that they could do that. And Brother Adam and Miss Rebecca are back with uh, the patch, and Pee Wee doing a great job back there, so that's a blessing. Excited for things just to keep moving and to keep rolling and just to continue to try to serve the Lord and to, and to minister to people and to love one another. I, some really good news, uh, the Senate voted to make daylight savings time permanent. I'm just, I'm just thankful our government's working for our behalf, so I don't even know what that means. It's the pressing issues of our day, way to get it handled, hallelujah, it's a blessing. So. If you say you sound sarcastic, right, right. All right, glad they, they gave themselves a reason to pat themselves on the back, so that was, they could agree on something, that's good. All right, aren't you thankful that God's in control? Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I, I, I was feeling this last, the last Wednesday or two Wednesdays ago when we, were, when we were back in Daniel on kingdom convictions in captivity. And, and I feel like I am, I am talking a lot about the current state of our culture. And I don't, I don't want that to become tedious. And yet when I look at the Babylonian culture in which Daniel ministered, you cannot help but see parallels there. And, and so if it, if it at times seems tedious, then please forgive me for that. But then, but then also understand, our greatest struggle as believers is not what's going on out there. It's what, it's what we allow to go on in our own lives and, and in our own churches, in our own homes. And here's the encouragement. Daniel thrived in a pagan culture that was deteriorating. We don't, we, don't need our, we don't need a godless culture to have revival. Please don't misunderstand that. I want that. I do want that. And I believe God can bring that. And I believe people can come to God and people can be saved in incredible numbers. And God's people can turn to him with great uh, sincerity and zeal. I believe that. But we don't have control over what's out there. We can influence it, and, and that's kind of the purpose of this. So when I talk about a culture, please understand that the culture is not my primary target. It's us living in a culture and, and continuing to be faithful. So kingdom convictions and captivity, this is message number six. Let's look at verse number one, please. Belshazzar, the king, this is the son of Nebuchadnezzar, made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Obviously, the first verse tells you the God of heaven is not in their thoughts. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem. That the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of God, of the house of God, excuse me, that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, 
And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. So pause for just a moment. The vessels that were consecrated for God's use are now being used to celebrate pagan debauchery. That's what's going on here. Verse 5, in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand. His hand just shows up. And it just says, actually it just says fingers of a man's hand. May not even have been all of this. It may have just been a digit. <laughs> Saying, it's wild. I mean, the Bible's so boring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Again, didn't even see the whole hand. Just like there's this finger floating and writing. Then the king's countenance was changed. And his thoughts troubled him, so that his joint, the joints of his loins were loosed, <laughs> and his knees smote one against another. And he's, he's really nervous, and so he calls for the experts. They can't tell him. The queen remembers Daniel, and we'll talk about her briefly in a moment. Daniel is, Daniel is brought, down in verse 17, then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. The, the Belshazzar had promised great riches and honor and stature for the one that could interpret this. But here's the truth about anyone who ministers. You can't buy their favor. We're not, not in this. For that affirmation. And so he said, Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him, whom he would he slew. And whom he would, he kept alive, and whom he would, he set up, and whom he would, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him, and he was driven from the sons of men. And his heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven." Till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men and that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. You say, what's the significance of that? What does that have to do with the hand? Well, Daniel's getting ready to tell him. Verse 22, and thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and God and gold of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not nor hear, 
nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified? Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written, and this is the writing that was written, meanie, meanie, tekel, you farsen. This is the interpretation of the thing, meanie, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, which is another form of the word you farce and we'll explain in a little bit. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. And Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old, and thus begins the rule of the Medo-Persian Empire, which was foretold. So here's the title. Boldness in the Wokeness. Boldness in the Wokeness. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. So you've no doubt heard the term woke in... Uh, on social media, in the news, in discussions. And I've, I did some research really trying to understand the, the history of the word and where it comes from and, then, and what it's being used as today. And, and there's all, sites, all sorts of opinions about this. And originally it was, it was used to have more of a racial focus. But now basically it's this. And you don't necessarily find this stated and written out, but as you study the different uses and the different definitions, the idea of woke is this, that everyone is allowed to have their own truth, unless it infringes on your truth. <laughs> there are no absolutes. You've heard that. You know what the problem with that is? That's an absolute. <laughs> no, I know you know this, but I still giggle about it. <laughs> There are no absolutes, meaning like declaring an absolute, that there are no absolutes. And what we see within America is that this is increasingly producing a mess. Now, I'm going to go back and mention this in the application with the help of God, but I want to remind you of this. America did not wake up one day and we were a Christian nation, and then all of a sudden, in one generation or one election cycle, we were a post-Christian nation, which we are a post-Christian nation. No, that didn't happen in a moment. That didn't happen in a year. It didn't happen in an election cycle, and it didn't happen because, because one party had more power than the other. Can I tell you, every, every primary political party in this country has contributed to the spiritual decline of this nation. I say that without apology. Have there been individuals that have tried to stem that tide and help? Sure, I'll make that case all day. But acting as though the political system in this country has not contributed to the spiritual decline is, is not being aware and accurate like we need to be. And so we, we need to be careful in addressing the ills of our day as though they just occurred. 
No, it, it's all these, it's, it's all the 18 to 20-somethings. It's their fault. No, the 18 to 20-somethings had parents that made concessions. And those parents had parents that made concessions. And those parents had parents that made concessions. And this is what you realize, that over time, as you make concessions, they may not seem to be, in your generation, a massive concession, but it sets the tone for the next generation to continue making concessions. And the result is you end up in Babylon, Belshazzar, debauchery, with a woke culture and no absolute truth. We can do whatever we want, however we want. So he throws this drunken feast. You, you see the vastness of his reign, a thousand of his lords. It doesn't even say that it's all of them. But there they are, perhaps the most popular, the most powerful, and they're reveling in their sensuality and in their fleshly gratification of every kind. And it's interesting to note, at, while he tasted the wine, and, and this isn't the point, and I understand there's a, lot of, there's a lot of opinions about this, but please understand, when people are under the influence of alcohol, nothing good is ever produced by it. I understand God is merciful and he can intervene in those things, but far too many times people are more concerned about their liberty than they are about actually doing what is right, doing what is best in order to protect them from destructive influences and decisions. And so he's there and as, as he is emboldened by the, by the consumption of this alcohol, he has this brilliant idea. Hey, we're really going to enjoy ourselves Go, go and get the vessels that were consecrated to the God of the kingdom that we vanquished. Now, it's interesting. Why would he target those vessels? Because Nebuchadnezzar had conquered many kingdoms. Nebuchadnezzar had conquered many foes, so why would he target that one? Well, I believe that they were not historically ignorant, and you have the influence of someone like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who even though they have been removed from their kingdom and transplanted into a pagan kingdom, they have not denied that there is a God. They have not turned their back on the faith of God. And so this is a chance, and as you see the references to them worshiping the gods of silver and gold and wood and brass, this is what you see you see almost Belshazzar flexing on the deities of everyone else no there's a God that claims to be the only God there's no other nation like Israel at that time that said there is only one God so let's just go ahead and bring these vessels out and let's just demonstrate our power and our superiority and our advancement. How that you can worship whatever you want to worship. And any kind of fringe lunatics that want to say there is only one God. And his name is Jehovah. Obviously that is not true. Let's just raise our glasses to our intellectualism, to our advances, and to our superiority. And here, we'll even put our alcohol in those vessels that were, set, that were set apart for their use. And we'll exalt ourselves and have a great party, a great time. It's a woke culture. Anything goes. Everything goes. 
But then something happens. You see, the problem that, that cultures forget, and I'm thankful for this, God is a patient, long-suffering God. Can I just, I'm, I try not to do this. I try to tell you when I do it. Let me just step off over onto a personal soapbox that really gets on my nerves. I grew up hearing this statement. Man, God's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah if he lets California keep going. Hang on. Number one, you don't decide who God has to apologize to. And I understand that that may be a hot button. You can push that button and people are like, yeah, amen, praise the Lord. You ought to be thankful that God is gracious and long-suffering because it's not just Californians that need it. It's the people at West Valley Baptist Church that have needed it. Yeah, go ahead and meditate on it for a minute. I'm thankful for the grace and the long-suffering of God that takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He is a merciful God who is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, to turn from where they've rejected him and to understand you are the only Savior. I need you and to believe in I believe in him. But then here's the reality. That mercy does not extend indefinitely. Look, this isn't about, this isn't about America, but you need to read, you, you need to be aware of texts like this and understand anytime God has raised up a nation, he has also held that nation accountable for what they did with their power. You cannot deny that America has been exalted. You also cannot deny that America has rejected the God who allowed them to be exalted. And that can be clearly chronicled throughout our history and how there has steadily been a deviation from his truth and a decline in the social makeup of our homes and of individuals and of families. And that God will hold a culture accountable for what they do with his exaltation. And so the holy God, who, and by the way, by the way, this is such a great point. God was not less God because the children of Israel had forsaken him and therefore suffered his chastisement and were taken into captivity. God was not less God. Listen, you, can, you, as a child of God, can bring shame to the name of Jesus Christ. This church can forsake the truth of God and cease to be a biblical church that loves the Lord. Can I tell you, it doesn't change God one bit. He was still God, even though those vessels were being used in some revelry and debauched his service. But hear this, he was paying attention to it. And at some point, God in judgment will step in to deal with a culture that is increasingly turning its back on him. And so the finger comes up. And begins to write on the wall where the king can see it. The king is terrified. He's in turmoil inside, outside. His joints are loosed and his knees literally begin to knock together out of fear. He cries out for the professionals. But no one can help him. And so the queen, which possibly was either his mother, most likely it was his mother. It's also possible it could have been the highest ranking wife as we read about in the book of Esther and just the, the ridiculous and perverted mindset of the ancients at that time, which still goes on in certain cultures today in this world, by the way. 
And so this queen, I'm going to, I think, just because of the awareness of and the, the reference to Daniel, this is it's very possible this was his mother, but the queen, whoever she was, she reminds Belshazzar of Daniel. Now, now this is this is how woke. You go back into the passage, the portion of scripture that we didn't that we didn't read. She she says that in Daniel is the spirit of the gods, little G. Just again demonstrating there has been a complete departure from the reality that there is a God. But here's what she does get right. She recognizes that Daniel has insight into things that no one else can seem to comprehend. And so Daniel is brought before the king, and the king promises him reward, status. Daniel wants none of it. And as I already mentioned, a man or a woman of conviction cannot be bought. We do not do what we do as Christians for the sake of being promoted and acknowledged by the world. I mean... No, it's one thing to say that people need to be compensated or paid or all of those things, but we're not in this for the world's approval or compensation. So Daniel then gives the message and the meaning. Here's the message. You saw God humble your father. You watched it. You go back into Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar was warned in a dream that Daniel showed him the interpretation of a mighty tree that was cut down. And, uh, that, but then had a band upon it. And it was protected from being completely destroyed. And how that Nebuchadnezzar had been given great power. And yet in his heart he was lifted up in pride. And he forsook the God who gave him that power. And he lost his mind. And I believe he lost his mind for a certain number of years. And he became as a wild beast. And he roamed the hillsides until his understanding returned. And only then did he give glory to the God who is. Belshazzar witnessed all of that. He saw it all. And yet even with what he saw, he still hardened his heart against God. And again, I'm not preaching on all this. We need to pray for our children. Having seen God work that they do not harden their hearts to God's work in their own lives. Because every one of our children are susceptible to that. Every one of our children can decide in their minds, no, I will take what I've seen and I will reject it and I will choose something else. It's why it's so important to keep Jesus Christ in front of them on a daily basis. It's why it's so important that being involved in a church not be something that you occasionally fit in, but it be a priority to your life because there is an assault upon them by this culture to turn their hearts away. And so you have been judged, weighed in the balance, and found wanting. So here's the message. Meanie, meanie, tikal, you farsen. Meaning, meaning God has numbered your kingdom and it's finished. There is an ending point for all kingdoms. Tikal, you've been waiting the balance and found wanting. Then we come to the word perez, perez or euphorsen. Euphorsen is the plural form, perez is the singular, and it's, it's referencing the fact that the kingdom would be divided once into two, two parts, and it's basically just a linguistic inflection to highlight the two different aspects of the prosopy, prophecy that the kingdom would be divided once and given to the Medes and the Persians. And so Belshazzar gives Daniel what he promised and then he's killed later that night. Darius the Mede becomes the supreme ruler. So here's the point. In a culture 
that was wrecked by wokeness. There's Daniel standing like a piece of granite amidst that torrent of uncertainty and fluidity. Boldness. Kingdom convictions produce boldness in the wokeness. Okay, let me, let me elaborate on that for just a minute. Or 15, sorry. <laughs> the wokeness of our culture is wrecking it. And, and see, why are you using wokeness? Because that's the term that they choose to use. I'll use their word. I don't even have to, I don't have to reference news stories to demonstrate this. But I will, just so that, because I think it's important that we stay aware of what's going on. There's a current Supreme Court nominee. One of the things, and by the way, I do not care about a nominee's gender, nor do I care about a nominee's race. I don't. Zero. This is what I care about, their qualifications. And when you have publicly ruled and have the support of those who are arguing for lighter penalties for people guilty of child pornography, you are not qualified to be ruling on any court, let alone the Supreme Court. No, that should automatically, in a society that that actually cares about its citizens and has any semblance of God in their brains, that should be an automatic disqualifier right there. And yet we have law professors that are trying to normalize pedophilia. No, we don't don't need to judge that. You say, well, I can't believe where we are, but that didn't start here. Let's just walk back here, walk back here, and keep walking back here. You know where it starts? It starts at a place like this. I'll come back over, Brother Patrick. Let me tell you where it starts. It starts, well... Well, look, man, if all that my kids do before they get married is have sex, then that's okay. And you make a concession. Then you make another concession and another concession. Now, I'm not saying that, no, no, I'm not talking about dealing with grace and people are going to make mistakes. I get that. I'm not talking about on an individual level, but I'm talking about as a church and with our thinking about issues and how we approach them and handle them. We always, it seems like every generation has this attitude, well, as long as we're not there. But you know what happens? You left over there. And the next generation is going to be here, looking there, saying we're not there, but at least we're not over there. And then you get to where we are today, to Babylon. But I don't have to read news stories. I don't have to talk about the political scene. I can just talk about conversations I have on a regular basis here. Just out meeting people, even today having a conversation a young teen inundated by the insanity and the demonic influence of the gender crisis going on in this country so confused about themselves that they decided the best thing to do was to take their life thankfully it was unsuccessful And yet that's what's being produced. It's a broken culture that is wreaking havoc on people's lives. I know you're aware of this. I know. But here's the danger. 
is that we become influenced by the woke. Can, it, can I have some help real quick? Uh, Brother Nate, would you mind helping me? Brother Brian, would you mind helping me? Brother, Bra Brother Nate, you get to represent God's standard. You get to be Babylon. Say sorry. <laughs> Wear a suit. No, I'm just that's so I'm sorry. I can't. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was a joke. You know, we majored on this. Sorry, you are going to have to work now, Brother Patrick. Sorry. Look, we majored on this in the early messages of this series. God's truth doesn't change, regardless of geography and regardless of generation. God's truth remains the same. Brother Brian, can you come over here with me? This is, this is what was happening in Babylon when they were first brought into captivity. We want to change your diet. They couldn't control that their names had been changed. They couldn't control that their bodies had been changed to make them loyal to the king. But the diet was an assault on their spiritual identification. We just want to change your diet. Okay, look, we believe in God, but we're living in a foreign kingdom, so we're just going to move over here. I understand it's not there, but we're not way over there. But here's what happens with a woke culture. It never stops moving. And this is where God's people fail. We spend all our time saying we're not where they are. You with me? But we don't bother to look back and see how far we've deviated from what that says. And the danger is that we become influenced to the point that we are being pulled along at an alarming rate. And the whole time we're just looking and saying, well, I'm not, obviously. No, this works well. I have no problem with this. No, but this is how Christians think in America today. This is how, well, I mean, obviously I'm. Man, doing better than that. And yet there's no consideration for what the truth of God says about our daily living and our daily lives and how we ought to be thinking and how we ought to be behaving and how we ought to be loving one another. There's no consideration and we have increasingly moved along instead of being back here. Here's what I, here is what I love about Daniel from the time he was taken into captivity until this time, many years later, he was in the same place. Same place. Thanks, guys, for helping. Okay, so, so what's the point? The convictions of Daniel allowed him to be in a place that when the culture was breaking apart, they needed answers, and they could come to him. Don't you love it that someone knew Daniel will have an answer? No, years have gone by without him being referenced. But hey, when there was a crisis and it's breaking down all around us, there's, there's a place where there's an answer. Hey, brothers and sisters, I understand that sometimes it can feel like that we are battling uphill and it doesn't always seem like we're making headway into all the different areas of community that we want to and we're not affecting as many things as we, you, it can feel that way. But I'm telling you, there are moments in individuals' lives when they hit a crisis point and they need to know that there is an answer. And if you will faithfully and consistently live out 
about kingdom convictions with kingdom love, they will know that there is someone that they can turn to that will have an answer when a culture is breaking down around them. I'm telling you, it'll happen. If it happened for a pagan king, it can happen in your school. It can happen in your neighborhood. It can happen in your work. That is, it begins to fall apart around them. What do you think? What would you say? And here's Daniel. What did Daniel do? I understand his message was a message of judgment. But there was mercy in that. Please, I don't have time to keep preaching this. <laughs> there was mercy in that. What do you mean? When you preach the truth of judgment, people, if they respond right, are going to say, hey, I don't want that. Are there any examples of that in the Bible? Yeah, talk about Rahab. Hey, let's move ahead a few years. Let's talk about Jonah and Nineveh. You're all going to die. We better turn to the Lord. There was mercy in it. Boldness and the wokeness. So let me just give you a few thoughts. Truth does not change. Can I encourage you to take time right now to live your life? I, I think this is good. Andrew and I... It's, it's not a schedule. It's just we, we talk about it. It comes up. If you walk with God, you read your Bible, you pray, and you're, and you're actually trying to know him, every now and then you take stock. You know, I'm, I'm, just the, I'm, I'm not talking about a schedule. I'm talking about just walk, trying to walk with God and saying, look, we've moved a little bit. Are we moving because of the culture or are we moving because of God? No, his truth doesn't change. And you say, man, get the culture. Well, how about we just focus on the people of God for a minute? How much had Daniel shifted in the decades that he had served that encompasses the reign of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar? He hadn't shifted at all based on the implication or the indication of the text. And so it's good for us to say God's truth doesn't change. And I'm not talking about the man-made requirements that have been used to oppress and manipulate the people of God. But we are foolish to say that there aren't truths in the word of God that ought to produce kingdom convictions even in this day. And then to look at them and say, am I judging myself based on my proximity to a godless culture? Or am I evaluating my life based on my proximity to the unchanging truth of God? It is this. You know what the danger is? I feel like way too many of us are saying, thank God we're not like them. And you aren't helping anybody. You may not be where they are, but you're not far behind. It's, it's never been about, it's not about our proximity to a culture that is rejecting and moving away from God. It's about our proximity to the truth of God. That helps us to live for him and love him. And then helps us to love people in a broken world that need to be rescued. I, and I, I get so frustrated with the, the narrative. And I, and I try not to let this influence my, my spirit when I'm preaching. But I get so frustrated both with, with the 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 supposed Christian side of the issue who just wants to approach things over there and make fun of it and ridicule individuals. And then I get, I get frustrated with this side that just wants to label anybody that believes in God and believes in absolute truth, well, you're just a racist and a bigot, when I know that there are many people in this congregation actually trying to help people regardless of where they're at. 
But that's produced by kingdom conviction. You know what I'm confident in? Can I, can I tell you all what I'm confident in? Hey, we have the answer. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm solid on that. And that's not arrogance. That's confidence in him. Every one of our dear children of God, every one of our dear family at this church that works in a public school or a private school or a Christian school, I am confident that they have the answer for every student that they have the opportunity to influence. You know why? Because they have the truth of God. By the way, don't be confused by the term Christian. And don't think that just because you're homeschooling your kids means your kids are exactly where they need to be either. (laughs) Sorry, it's a completely different message. Oh, please hear me. You have the answer. This church needs to be filled with Daniels that go to their workplaces, that go to their jobs. And whether they are men Daniels or women Daniels, don't get confused here. You are a daughter of the king. You are a son of the king. And you have the answer. So can you please evaluate yourself for a minute and say, where I'm standing? Am I standing here? Because... I'm not over there, or am I standing here because this is what the truth says I ought to be standing at? Number two, live your life so that people know they can count on you for an answer when their woke world is breaking apart. Then when you're given an opportunity, speak the truth without fear and in love. Without fear. Does that mean everybody's going to love it? No. No, but you don't have to be nasty about it. Kingdom convictions produce boldness in the wokeness. A, don't run. Don't run. By the way, this is just a thought. It just occurred to me. Daniel's influence didn't stop. Look, look, we're looking, we're looking, and and I have no idea where all this goes, My heart is grieved for my nation. My heart is burdened for a lost world. On a geopolitical scale, I'm I'm fascinated believing what I believe about the Bible. I'm fascinated by the moving parts. Can I tell you, we're not commanded to go sit on a hill somewhere to go hide in a cave. Say, whatever's supposed to happen next, you don't know when, so you might as well just keep on living, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got 2022 reasons why Jesus will come back in 2022. Somebody tried that. And it went really well, obviously. And then they tried it again, and it went even better the second time. Can I encourage you? Man, don't you discount what God can do with your life. Man, be a Daniel. The woke is breaking apart our culture, but we have the answer. And not everybody's going to respond like Belshazzar. No, people are going to keep getting saved. (laughs) Okay, I need to stop. You need to go home. Lord, I am convicted in my own life that there are times, there have been times when there have been shifts in my life that have occurred because I was measuring myself by not being where a godless culture was. 
instead of measuring myself by being where your truth was, and this is what's amazing, and I thank you for, for bringing it out to us tonight. This is what's amazing about Daniel. He didn't shift through kingdoms and political fluctuations, through the compromise of his own countrymen. He did not shift. What he was as a young man is what he was here when he was possibly a middle-aged man. And as we continue to read this through, go through this series, it's, we're going to find it's what he was as an old man. And so, Father, tonight, would you help us, first of all, just to take a moment and to evaluate our life. Are we where we are because we're saying, man, I'm not where they are, or are we are we where we are because of your truth? And then number two, God, would you help us not to be afraid of a woke culture in the sense that we know we have the answer and Jesus loves people and we can genuinely help them. God in heaven, you can use this church family to help the people who are being wrecked by the godlessness that is around us. You can use this church family to reach people in this valley. You can use people in this church family to reach into schools, to reach into jobs. You can use them like Daniels in the moments when the wokeness is producing brokenness to stand up like granite and to say there is a God and to provide truth and an answer. Lord, I, I just pray that you'd use this to help your people take stock of where they're at and to believe in what you can use them for. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together. As Brother Nate begins to sing, if God has dealt with your heart, you have opportunity to respond to him.